Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. This hour is brought to you by Menards. Save big money at Menards. The Bernstein and Holmes Show. Middays 10 a.m. till 2 on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Flashback. Dan Bernstein, Lawrence Holmes, Layla Rahimi. Nothing but sweat inside my head. I need money. I used to be a stick-up kid, so I think of all the devious things I did. I used to roll up. This is a hold-up. Ain't nothing funny. Stop smiling. There's still nothing move but the money. But now I learn to earn because I'm righteous. I feel great. So maybe I might just search for a nine-to-five. If I strive, then maybe I can stay alive. So I walk down the street whistling this, feeling out of place because, man, do I miss a pen and a paper, a stereo, a tape of me and Eric B in a nice big plate of fish. Which is my favorite dish, but without no money, it's still a wish. Because I don't like to dream about getting paid, so I dig into the books of the rhymes that I made. So now it's a test to see if I got pulled. Hit the studio, because I'm paid in full. Bernstein and Holmes, your midday destination for Chicago sports talk. Pump up the volume, pump up the volume. Come on. Wow. I love it. Mix master Mike Rankin on the ones and twos. I got to share. I shared it with Ray because you guys like ran out of the meeting room. But I, I ran across a blend yesterday that had me hyped. Hyped. Where? On reels. Like every now and again, you'll see like a DJ battle or something. And the, the, the round of the battle was a blend. Like who can do the best blend. And it is... It's so good. You know who the DJ is for that that DOC track, right? Um, Dr. Dre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More than likely, right? What do you think I'm doing next week? You gonna go see Dr. Dre? Jeff, DJ Jazzy Jeff. Oh, Jeff, and that whole DJ show. Yeah. Oh my God, he does such a great show. Like, if you wanna, if you wanna get like a history of where songs have been sampled, he's just he's he's the best DJ on the planet that I'm not related to. So wow. you're going to have a good time. I praise. As yeah. We- sorry. I'm not here next week. South by Southwest. No, I, I think that you're, you've made the right call because we're still kind of in a Pharaoh period of sports for a while. Cause by then the, the bulls will be probably like eliminated Man. for the play. Look, 
17 well, games left ah, starting tonight, hey, family. We're, we're going to get to the Bulls at some point, but we, we, we come in hard, hard on the open with just Sorry. With that. And now you're mentioning the Bulls. My bad. I mean, I, I would love to also talk about the fact that, that our city is being held hostage by NASCAR and that we can't figure out what to do with staples of the summer. And I would, here's my suggestion about taste. I'm not even really a big fan of Taste of Chicago. Like I've, I've always thought the walking and eating thing is really weird and it, difficult. It also has changed. The, the, the level of cuisine has changed over the years. Yeah, it has. But I, I feel like the people trying to send it to Navy Pier, you're just asking for a, a congestion nightmare. So I got two suggestions. Either the Midway in Hyde Park or Union Park. You do Pitchfork there. Right. Why not just have taste there? And and it's a different vibe. It's a different... And you're not asking people to come all the way back down here. Because isn't... Layla, you talked with all the NASCAR people. Isn't this a three-week thing? Like, don't they have the park for three weeks? They have access to it up to three weeks. That's what the contract... That's per Marianne Ahern's report. That's not something that I got from NASCAR. That was, I was NBC5. I think we'll find out that. Uh, it's up to three weeks before and a week after. That the White Sox have canceled Taste of Chicago for various reasons. <laughs> <laughs> why you gotta, why you gotta be like that, man? Why, why you have no fan fest? Various reasons. Schmove it. Well, what are they? Various <laughs> There are various reasons that we just can't have Sox Fest because we don't want to. You know what the, and no taste of Chicago either. The most disappointing thing about Sox Fest is the fact that the garage sale didn't happen. Yeah, you want your the bad jerseys. The garage sale is the best. Yeah, that's what you I want. I love that so much. Did you want an Andy Gonzalez jersey? It's I got my the, Kevin Smith. That's, that's it. Right. It's just the principle. That's like, Smitty to you. This is this is what real fans do. Have have Do you think that baseball owners have had conversations about the money that they'll lose because the games are shorter. With concessions? Yeah. They had to have thought about this. Like, if if you're really talking about 30 minutes being lopped off of most games, like, that's that's a a big amount of time for there not to be concessions sold. I went to a game. I think that could be counterbalanced by people's desire to go to games. Okay. Because it's... Because it's shorter, yep. I'll go to more games more frequently. Yep. Well, then you'd better have a plan for when the lines are super long at the beginning of the game. Speaking of that, that's another Chicago thing that's going on right now. Because no agreement was met between the the workers at the United Center. So enjoy the Big Ten tournament today. And I would suggest pack a lunch. Pack a lunch. Uh I will also say this. It was really funny. We, being observers of Burley and his disciples, mm-hmm. have seen us a quick game or two. In Houston, I was privy to a game between Lucas Harrell and Clayton Richard, both pitching well at the time at both disciples of Burley. The game lasted an hour and 58 minutes. They had last call in the seventh inning, which was roughly an hour and 15 minutes into the game. And the the what and the hails were pretty good. And it was Texas. So somebody actually sounded like that right behind me. Somewhere, David Schuster, sky pointed. I covered a Maddox game that was like, like as you're a reporter and you're you all of a sudden the game was over. Like, wait, I'm not I got to go down to the locker room now. 
Game's, was it, game's was over. it like the Maddox where the pitch count lined it, it up? It was a Maddox. Yeah. It was definitely a Maddox. It was like, a, it, it, I, I want to say it was an hour, an hour 40. Oof. Oh, it I was, love it. It was ridiculous. I love it. And then you followed up the next day. It was a four hour and 15 minute game. Well, that, that, that was a White Sox game. It was a nine, I think it was a, at the time the longest nine inning game ever played. And it was, it was the best line. Rob Price was reporting for the score. And he picked up the phone, and it was the eighth inning. And he his 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 line was, "If this game were a horse, somebody would have shot it." <laughs> that, that, that was his lead. It's pretty good lead. It's, wow, it's great. And it was one of my it's in my first week on the job. Somebody could look it up, but I I believe that was it was May of '95, and that was one of my first assignments. I was shadowing. Rob is like the number two reporter covering a Sox game. I, I've missed that. So that. that's what did it. I miss it so much that we used to do that. I, I miss reporter raps from games because everyone had like their own style yeah, of was... how they would tag it. Dan's is pretty. I mean, Dan's lives on through Mully now. So when you hear Mully go, score, like that's from Dan. Which, from... which I stole from John Madigan. WBBM News Radio 78. 78. Yeah. News Radio 78. That's what I used to say. George. Some wild times. And the the writing on George's raps. And sometimes you have to be like, George, that rap's too long. I need you to shorten that rap. How long was the rap? Usually you wanted it. or less. Yeah. You wanted it to be 40 seconds or less because the update anchor was going to play it. You know, a Chris Ranji type was going to play the rap and usually you were thinking two minutes for an entire update so i was an update anchor once yeah and we had reporters who did it but i just didn't care how long it went <laughs> well they, they used to be pretty pretty you know you got to be on it like two two minutes 230 updates running too long that's right that's what that's what ron gleason would say i'm and sure that they care it is not chris ron you said farmer alongside darren jackson <laughs> Every and now, now your host, Chris Ranji. It is not Chris Ranji. You said Farmer alongside Darren Jackson. <laughs> how is how is he so damn good with so little? Oh, I miss Farmio so much. Just the tone and economy of words. I miss being able to go into the booth with that dude, and just you never knew who you were going to see. Like the the combination of people that you'd see, where it'd be like, here's a priest. And here's a NASCAR driver. Or a, or a Harvard doctor. Right. Yeah. Here's a Harvard doctor and Brian Kelly. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that ha- like, that's legit. That happened. I walked into a booth where Brian Kelly Brian was Kelly? sitting in the corner. My family? But, yeah, but then you'd walk into the, the TV booth and, oh. and Hawk is hosting like a, a, a samba group or something. And there's like people with fruit on their head <laughs> dancing around. And, and he's just random people coming up having a party. And, he, and he's busy up until like the moment the broadcast starts. By the time, and, and, and to call it for you, here's Hawk. And Hawk would be like walking down, setting, setting his Mai Tai down to get, sit down and start the broadcast. Man, this sounds awesome. It was. I mean, it, walking the media level of White Sox d- during the the Farmio and Hawk era was. You never knew 
who you were going to run into, who you were going to see, who they were going to introduce you to. You know, all that stuff. And I, when I'd walk Press in... Press Club Lovin' was a different place, man. I was just happy to get the pub mix and, like, get a box score going. Did you hear the John Miller rant? Layla. Oh. Layla. It's like I never even worked here. You, you've you got to hear this. I mean, this happened a couple days ago. Like, this is fresh. Oh. This is John Miller being mad at the Arizona Diamondbacks because split squad game, and they gave him no information. Here's a curveball, and that's in for a strike. I'm guessing, I have to guess, the D-backs decided, ah, the heck with the big leagues. Let's just not be a big league team for the split squad. Here's the 1-1 pitch, and a fastball swung on and missed by Bryce Johnson. It's 1-2. They have sent no public relations people over here, no information about who the manager is or anything at all about him. So if they don't want to be a big league team, we'll just treat him like a sandlot team so they give us no information about anything so one of those guys in a red shirt managing and a right-hander one of their right-handers on the mound and there's a ball up and away three and two the count i mean there's certain things that go along with being a big league team like try to act like a big league team three and two the count to bryce johnson here's sacconi and the pitch is bounced to second, over to his right, backhanding it, Castillo, and he throws out Johnson at first. See, I even had names. Did a little homework on what little we have, which is nothing whatsoever from the uh, the Bush League D-backs. We go to the third inning. How about that? Let's go! <laughs> wow. That is, yeah. That, that, that's a made man. That, that really hits home with anybody who's had the play-by-play dream. Because that is, it, it is. Or ac- nightmare. It, it is. It is an actual nightmare of being a play-by-play guy or person and getting to the game and not having the information that you need or not being able to see what you need to see. That is a, it's classic. It's, 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 it's a variation of the, the college dream of it's a final and I didn't know this class was on my schedule. I, I had one I, last night. And I haven't done the reading or I go to my locker in high school and there's books in there that I was supposed to read. It's the final and I haven't read any of the books. You can at least expect a lineup. Like that's, that's the basis. A roster. That would be even better. But just give me at least nine. Don't even know who's managing. He said a guy in a red shirt. Wow. Just passes it to the man. And that's in the division. Over to so the little guy, back like, to the lefty. That's in the division. So that's not exactly like going to go away. It's not like they have to not worry about this later. And the excuse that other teams might have, which would also be terrible, the Diamondbacks don't. You're in Arizona. You're... From if they were playing at Scottsdale Stadium, your home office is five miles away. How is no one giving a roster out? Like it's not like the White Sox, like oh, you know our our PR department's back in Chicago. And like no, you live and work there. And the split squad thing is, I I've done a couple of those spring training games. It is super frustrating when you don't have a good grasp of who you think is playing. Uh huh. And it's it terrible. is it is like a grab bag of trying to figure out who's going to be where and how. Really terrible. We have, which is nothing whatsoever, from the uh, the Bush League D-backs. We go I mean, to the man. 
We had a night in the minors where a pitcher came into the game and nobody knew who he was and he wasn't on the roster. It was Will Farrell. And they the they called down to the dugout. Oh, and they good. Called, they called for the press box to the dugout and they said, "Who is that?" And the manager made up a name. He said, "Oh, that's Kapitke." And I said, "What's his first name?" He goes like Jimmy. And, it was, and, he, and he lied. He just made it up. And it ended up in the official Elias Stats Bureau stats. And they had to go in and strip it out. And they had to, like, forensically recredit the innings to who it actually was because the manager just, the phone rang and he picked it up and they, they picked up who's pitching. And he just made up a name. That, okay. So there's a urban myth, or maybe it's a rumor, or maybe it's actually true, that somehow two teams, and this is like back 12 years ago, I want to say mixed up like two bullpen guys because their names were super similar and like got one in a transaction but met the other and it was yeah, too late. That I forgot who it was. No, it was Kenny it Williams. Was... Kenny Williams traded for the wrong guy named Barry. No, well this was this Barack? was No, this was definitely I think the last name two... was Barry. There's B there's one guy like B A R R Y and B E R R Y and he traded for the wrong one. Well, I had heard of one involving like two I think they were Dominican names. I think but it, they were like super similar, and like they were only off by like a letter. Well, there's the two Basabes, right? Isn't it, it, didn't the White Sox? There, there's like Louis, Louis Alexander Basabe, and then there's Alejandro Louis Alejandro Alejandro. They're, they're, Alejandro. Bo- they're both Luis Basabe, but they have different middle names. Ale Alejandro. Are we gonna call Luis Robert Luis Robert Junior now? Well, not in the pronunciation guide. He did not add Junior, so he's Luis Robert, and Eloy is Eloy. This has been getting to me for a minute. He didn't say, like, in the, the Sox pronouncer, he doesn't say it, so I'm not saying it. We're broadcasting live from the Hyundai <laughs> Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers, and we've got Mike Florio and Mike Hall and any of other people, also Mike, and... <laughs> what? I don't know. I guess your name Mike. Oh. Apparently. So, nah, not one of them. Uh, when we come back, Let's discuss what was going on in the NFL yesterday, how it may affect the Bears, and sort of the real politique of what happens to players in some of these situations. That's coming up next. It is the Bernstein and Holmes show with Layla Rahimi in on this Wednesday on The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You're listening to Bernstein and Holmes. Middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score. In Odyssey Station. Well, the Baltimore Ravens have placed the non-exclusive tag on Lamar Jackson, which means this field. The market will mediate the dispute and disagreement between Lamar Jackson 
and the Ravens. You will have the chance to go talk to other teams and sign an offer sheet if somebody is willing to sign into that offer sheet. Baltimore can decline to match, and it would get back two first-round picks instead. That's Adam Schefter describing the situation with Lamar Jackson and the choice that was made by the Baltimore Ravens to allow these market forces pursuant to the collective bargaining agreement do their jobs for them. And that's what the structure allows them to do. I mean, that's it. To me, it's it's not just collusion. It's sanctioned collusion. Owners get to hide behind the shield because they game the system in order to make it that way. And the franchise tag is something that has held how many players back financially? When is it when does it ever not cost somebody money? That's why players are so resentful of it, but they haven't been able to negotiate it out of the system. And it creates such bad blood. It, it, like, it truly creates a, oh, they don't really care about me, which you should walk in thinking that they don't care about you. The interesting thing to me about this is is the impact. Lamar Jackson is suffering from a mistake that the Cleveland Browns made. That the Cleveland Browns were so hot to try to get Deshaun Watson that they they put out an unprecedented contract that now he's he's feeling the brunt like of of uh, the weight of that decision. Andrew Brandt had a really good point about this on on Twitter. He was saying, "I get that they were this was an outlier contract, but it still set a precedent." And you can't expect for players to look at that, especially quarterbacks, to look at that deal and go, "Well, wait, wait a damn minute." And you can't expect Lamar Jackson to look at the Kirk Cousins deals that have been given to him the uh, the what, 84 guaranteed million dollars for Kirk Cousins and say, no, I, I am worth more than that. And even that, to me, is an example of how the owners have rigged the system. Where you have made it so, where players are fighting amongst each other for what they are actually owed. And there's a comparison game that's being played among the people who are your product They are the reason that you are in the football business because they're the ones executing on the field. And once they've earned their keep, they still have to fight for it. For what? Just remember the way Ryan Poles talked about the franchise tag when it was asked regarding Allen Robinson. Just remember the tone he took. Well, we'll use the tools that are given to us. Mm -hmm. That is a direct result of them at the top gaming the system for them. And the reason why players in the NFL are speaking out about this is because they know. They know it's not just about what Lamar Jackson has earned, and he's earned it. It's about how the system is rigged. It's really interesting to see like some of the backup that Lamar has gotten where you've got current players and ex-players looking at this and being like, what? Like, And, and, and it creates distrust. And I hope that they get it fixed. Like you, the, the Ravens are... They've been a model franchise, and Ozzie Newsom is has a, I want to say an emeritus title, but he was at the combine, like he's still helping out Eric DaCosta, and that's a guy who has a, a lot of credibility amongst players, and they still can't get this fixed. So I I would love to know what the holdup is, 
there was some pushback from Lamar Jackson through surrogates saying that he wasn't asking for the crazy guaranteed amount that people had suggested that he was. I don't know if him not having an agent hurts him in this regard. I, For what we know, agents in the NFL are charging for a deal like that. To me, there's no reason to not have an agent. Prices are down because of competition. The agents are, are, are eating each other up right now. And some of these percentages, I was seeing a series of tweets about exactly what you're talking about. It's probably about- half, you're probably getting half of a percent commission on a deal this big. Just Maybe. like at least Steinberg and Patrick Mahomes. And how much percentage is being taken there? Enough to feed you. Yeah. yeah and, and everyone wants to get into this game, especially at that level, and it would be worth it for someone. Uh, it, it'd be worth it for a boutique agency to do it. It'd be worth it for a, a star on the rise at CAA to do something like this and, and take a lower percentage on the commission because the dollar amount is going to be so high. It's The whole thing is, is it, I believe Florio said, it reeks of collusion. And we, and we can ask him about it coming up at 11 o'clock today. But I'm with you on this, Layla. It's, it's, the system has allowed for owners to be able to do this type of stuff. But You're again, seeing it at every level of life. So pay attention when it doesn't directly involve you. This is very much don't hate the player, hate the game. Well, the difference is, and I think to play devil's advocate, these rules are collectively bargained. And if the Players Association wants to to stand on this hill and fight, they can. They haven't fought on anything when it comes to stuff like this, though. Not, not that union has not been effective. Not Part of the problem. And there's a discussion about that, too. The fact that they have to fight about playing surfaces in the way they are, they pushed back against a longer NFL season. Look how that went. They've pushed back against having fewer days between games. Look how that's gone. Now they're pushing back on having to pay for their own food at the facility. Uh, that play, or that, having rats in the facility. That NFLPA study that they released, that is one way to start gaining some ground back. Start putting this stuff out in the public where people can see who who treats their players well and who doesn't. Because if money isn't going to move their needle, shame might. Part of the problem has always been with the NFLPA is that the turnover is so big, like in between the the CBA negotiations, that it's hard to have a coalition because you have the haves at the top with the quarterback class and then the have-nots, the people that are just hanging on in the league. So while there is a group of NFL players that could afford to sit out and they could afford to stand their ground, the rank and file of the NFL kind of can't. Well, the average career length is three and a half years. It's not like you're talking about teachers or, right. or welders right. who are going to be in this profession for 40 years. The yes. people who are mad about this current CBA will be long gone from the league by the time the next CBA comes up. And that's why the people you hire to represent you should be the ones trying to issue, like illustrate that to their constituents and their clients, frankly, who are paying their dues for them to work for them. And that's my point, too, is when you have it so bad to start and you're already saying, well, we can't have this and we can't have this. Why is that? What KRS does it go back to? I asked that question a long time ago, and he was right, and you're right. 
And, and so here they are saying, oh, it's collusion, it's collusion. But is, it's not collusion on its face when you've when you've named it as such. It's legal why collusion. Don't, it's why don't you just call collusion. it why don't you just call it franchise tag reform? Stick that reform name on it to make people even feel better about the rule that is that is hurting people like this. Know what this is. See through it. Know exactly what it is. They've gained the system against him. Oh, you want to sign him? Well, it's going to cost you two first round draft picks. It's prohibitive for you to sign him and then we get to say to the player, "Look, the market is telling us that you're not worth what you think you're worth. When they're thumbs oh, on the scale. Oh, but by the way, we control the market. And by the right. way, there's going to be so much more money in it for us now. Once again, go back to Forbes' evaluation for gambling. And yet individual teams, the fandoms of these teams, think it's great. Like when we were talking about how many years the Bears have in Justin Fields and the way we throw around, oh, they'll just, they can just franchise tag her. So essentially they get another year. So it's one thing when you're talking about the the people that the, play, the fans want to keep. They think it's awesome. But sometimes that franchise tag actually disillusions you and might fool you into signing a player for a longer deal that maybe you shouldn't have. Dak Prescott comes to mind there. Is that really the quarterback you want to roll with for that much of a long time now in Dallas? Or did he come back too early from injury? You can ask the question. I think he's a good quarterback. But the point is it doesn't always work out in your favor guaranteed for either party. We need to take a timeout. When we come back, how about we do a little bit of baseball? You know how we've been discussing the rules and the effects on players? There's at least one player in Chicago that might benefit greatly from some of these changes, and we will hear from that player next on The Score. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Station, 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 station. So I was looking at some numbers. I don't have the uh, exact numbers in front of me right now, but people have been tracking the batting average of balls in play so far in spring training, and lefties are getting more hits. It is just a fact. And we thought this would happen, and we know it's probably eventually going to normalize somewhere, but where usually batting average of balls in play in MLB is right around 300 because of the shift. It has had a significant drop edging down closer to 290. That is a lot. That is a ton of missing singles that Theo Epstein is trying to put back into the game. And a lot of these have primarily been taken away from left-handed pole hitters. They have. Like, that's been something that Yasmani Grandal has been struggling with. Like, he has been someone that has been completely affected by the shift rules. And now... It opens up him being a more productive player. He talked about this on the White Sox Talk podcast about how this could really help him offensively. The shift definitely uh, took away a lot of money from him. Took away a lot of hits from me. Took away a lot of doubles. In 2019, I have Cincinnati playing almost five outfielders just to make sure that I don't get extra base hits. But yeah, people shifted me knowing exactly where I was hitting the ball. Pitching me so I can hit it there no matter how hard I would hit it. And now all of a sudden you're thinking, well, if I hit the ball here, it's going to be an out. So I got to get it up in the air even more and I got to hit it as hard as I can. Mm-hmm. Luckily for me, I was strong enough to be able to hit it as hard as I could and that ball leave the ballpark. So hitting in the 240s was okay just because, you know, my, my OPS at the end of the year was over 800. So I knew exactly what my strengths were. I knew I needed a walk. 
I knew I needed a hit for power uh, and then take care of my guys behind the plate. So uh, I concentrated on that. So this year it's going to be a little bit easier just because, you know, now with two strikes, I know that, all right, you don't have to go for that big swing. You know, you just go stay up the middle and get your line drive or, or you can pull this ball in between first and second uh, where before you're pulling it between first and second, it's a double play. Yeah. But I'm definitely looking forward to it. And it's going to be a headache for me just because now we're going to have to change a few things of how we're pitching, how we're playing defense. Guys are going to be going to have to be on their toes a little bit more. Yeah. I think it's going to be fun. It's fascinating to see a guy be that honest about how it changed his actual approach at the plate. And that's it. I think it's just, it's a simplistic argument to say, oh, we'll just hit it where they ain't. Yes, if it were that simple, everybody would be doing it and we wouldn't have anything to talk about. No, what it did, it reinforced the idea, hit it over the fence. Hit it over, hit with the high percentage shot, so to speak. Hit it into the out, hit it over the fence, and then nobody can do anything. So, yesterday, the athletic staff did an aggregate piece, and I love it when they do this where they pull all their writers. And it said, Which players will be most affected by MLB's new rules? One pick from each team. I'll give you a half a guess as to who it is for the White Sox. Is it Yasmani Grandal? It is indeed Yasmani Grandal, and that's per James Fegan. And he also brought up the good point about Moncada, saying Moncada gets shifted slightly more, and Moncada and Gavin Sheets both pull the ball more a bit overall, but neither's offensive approach is quite as single-mindedly focused on driving the ball to right field with authority as Grandal hitting left-handed. So there you go. And he says, by his own description, Grandal's goal is to take walks and crush mistakes, and now there will be less noise in his results. As you're coming up, they're telling you to hit these low-line drives, Grandal said this spring. And all of a sudden, they start taking that away from you, and you're going to kind of reinvent yourself all over again. We made it. We're out of it. And that also explains his statistically bizarre season from two years ago. Does it not? It kind of does. But I, I am I am wondering now, like just trying to look at this from all angles, are we sure that this version of Grandal is going to be a more effective overall hitter? If, he's, if he is thinking less about driving the ball over the fence – and ending up in a in a position where he can't run because he's a base clogger. Like I I know that there are going to be some RBIs that he ends up getting, but he's also incredibly slow and plotting. Yeah, I don't mind him being walk strikeout homer as long as the homers are there and for the this, walks are there. Yeah, for this specific fine. player, we know the White Sox hit more singles than everybody ever last year they sure did that's something that uh none of us want to revisit but i think for this particular player focus on getting on base and the home runs will be there yeah maybe maybe you end up getting pitched and you end up getting more mistakes because you're getting on base more i i'm curious to see how it all works out and how his health is because that's a another big component of whether or not he's an effective player for the White Sox, is is he going? Do his legs work? Well, and and can he catch? Can he stay wow. in front of a ball? You know, there's 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 two new catching metrics that are coming out now. One is, I believe, blocks above average that is actually measuring the number of passed balls slash wild pitches I mean, the, the, that you can take away that prevent and actually show how good you are, how trustworthy you are about blocking those some of those you know, bounced curveballs and bounced splitters and the stuff in the dirt. And yes, it's terrible. He's terrible. He struggles. He's ter- and, and sometimes sometimes he struggles just catching a ball that's yes. thrown right at him. What did, what did Steve Stone say? I like catchers who can catch. Mm-hmm. 
We've seen him struggle with catching balls from pitchers, blocking balls in the dirt. Catching pop-ups is a big problem for him, too. He gets turned around and isn't in the best position to make plays. The framing aspect of his game is, for me, was a bit overstated when the White Sox signed him. It's it's funny because it, it reminds me a lot of how people were talking about Nick Madrigal and all of his tools. It's the same thing with Grandal. It's like, well, look, we know that, that he got benched in playoff series in Milwaukee and Los Angeles, but if you look at the metrics of him framing pitches, he stole a lot of strikes for his pitchers. He does. He He's really good at stealing strikes when he catches the ball. There are also times when he is trying to steal a pitch and you end up with him either not getting the ball or getting a catcher's interference because he's literally trying to steal the pitch from uh, uh, ahead of home plate. So there, there's still a lot there with Grandal where I really like him as a guy and I think that he might actually have some of the stuff that you need to be a leader if we keep looking for leaders inside that clubhouse. But his deficiencies are so pronounced that that when you see it, you're like, mm. it makes you think differently about him as a player. Yeah, but the three-run homers mitigate that. That would like be awesome. Believe. I don't, but here's the thing. I don't think that any of these things are things we haven't talked about. What we haven't talked about is... I'll tell you what nobody's Grand- talking about. Exactly. It's but the what, McCaskies. What we haven't <laughs> talked about is is Grandal's approach to the shift and how that might benefit him. So to see that put in practice, I think, is encouraging. The other player, of course, that they mentioned in this town was Dansby Swanson. That was more from a defensive metric than it was a hitting metric. And we'll have more on that. Like, there, there's some really good kind of sexy baseball stuff but then you from scroll, Dansby yeah, I'm, I'm curious about who some of these other names. Is Rizzo on this list? Is Rizzo is 100% on this is list. Is Schwarber on the list? Uh, yes, Kyle Schwarber is on this list. Jose Ramirez is on the list. Can you imagine Jose Ramirez getting even better? Jose Ramirez might hit 350 this I year. I mean, yeah. if that doesn't say a lot. Uh, for Detroit, Miguel Cabrero was the one mentioned. Well, at this point, he's just he's just happy to be here. I know, but it, it was really Earning compelling to see it was really compelling to see some of the arguments. Shohei Otani for the Angels was mentioned. Did you see Shohei hit that home run off his knee in the WBC? Yeah. Like that was like Adrian Beltre. Dude is unbelievable. So I did a little sorry, Layla. I did a little math back here because you know, Dan mentioned math. He was looking for okay. batting Not. average of balls in play for okay. left-handed hitters this spring compared to maybe those of the past. And we should say that usually BABIP is higher in spring because you have lesser defenders out there. There's a lot of minor leaguers playing defense who can't get to the same ball. Diamondbacks team, we don't even know who they are. Bush League D-backs. So now that we know that the shift ban is in play for 2023 spring, the average BABIP of 2023 left-handed hitters is 323. Wow. That's compared to 282 last season, and that's throughout the regular season. Wow. I know small sample. Yeah, 323 versus 282. I would call that. Wow. That is what the kids call statistically significant. Yeah, and that unsustainably so, but still, that's that's a massive jump. So it's, it's how we're going to see that play out in the regular season, of course. But given what we know so far, this is making things very different. And and players are encouraged by it, which is something that I think is also good for the game. Here's the problem. And we'll, I mean, we got to get to Mike Florio, but something else to keep in mind is 
the other rules might make batting harder. 100%. For hitters. And they've been, as the preseason has gone on, like we've we've seen be like, oh, this is actually something that affects hitters, not pitchers. We'll discuss more of that coming up. Mike Florio is on the way. And, man, there is so much stuff in the NFL to talk about, including what Layla brought up as it pertains to Lamar Jackson. With the man with the plan will be on with us next. Mike Florio talks NFL, Bernstein, Holmes, Rahimi here on The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.